0: وَكُلَّ مُحْنَطَةِ الْبِدْعَةِ وَكُلَّ بِدْعَةٍ ضَلَالَةٍ وَكُلَّ ضَلَالَةٍ فِي So today is the second lesson on the explanation of the hadith of Mu'awiyah ibn Abi Sufyan رضي الله عنه مَن يُرِدِ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا يُفَقِّحُ فِي الدِّينَ To whomsoever Allah intends to show goodness, then he gives him understanding of the religion. And this is a commentary by, by Sheikh Ubaid al-Jabri hafidhu allah ta'ala. And in the first lesson, in the previous lesson, uh, we looked at the narrator of the hadith, Mu'awiyah anhu, one of the greatest uh, companions. We gave some biographical details about this companion and his virtues and his excellence and how he was the first of the kings of uh, Islam in whose rule there was uh, mercy and some of you know, his, his achievements uh, such as uh, the first sea expedition uh, when he went to uh, Cyprus and many, many other virtues. It's important for us to understand that when we have a you know, uh, particular important hadith that we know the narrators, the, the companions who uh, related those ahadith. So the shaykh mentioned that uh, complete happiness, perfect happiness lies in only one thing. There's only one route and one path in the life of this world. And that is having fiqh, having comprehension of the religion understanding the religion and then acting upon it. And this is something that is necessary for people who want to call to Allah, who want to call others uh, to the truth, uh, to do so on the basis of sound comprehension of the religion and following a certain methodology. Allah said, the Messenger said, upon the way that the Salaf, the righteous uh, Salaf, the righteous uh, companions and those after them, the way that they... You know, the way that they understood. Uh, likewise, the sheikh explained the important, importance of taking knowledge gradually, uh, step by step, uh, moving from one text to another text, you know, gaining understanding and then moving, and then continuing like this in, in a cycle, so that over time you are developing a more and more understanding, becoming more and more grounded in uh, the religion. So these were some of the major points that we looked at in the previous lesson. Also the shaykh explained that the people as it relates to this hadith are of two groups. Right? You, you either fall into one or the other. You are either someone who has been given understanding and knowledge and fiqh, comprehension in the religion. So that you know the difference between uh, guidance and misguidance, sunnah and bid'ah truth and falsehood, right? So these are all opposites which exist in Allah's creation, right? There is Tawheed and its opposite which is Shirk. There is Iman and its opposite which is Kufr. There is Sunnah and its opposite which is Bid'ah. Bid'ah in the religion. There is obedience, uh, obedience to Allah, righteousness and there is sinfulness. And disobedience, right? These are all uh, opposites in the creation. Uh, and in fact, uh, this this <coughs> meaning is actually mentioned by some of the Mufassirun, uh, such as At-Tabari and others, when they mention the statement of Allah Azawajal, uh, وَمِن كُلِّ شَيْءٍ خَلَقَنَا زَوْجَيْنِ of every single thing, we have created pairs. Of every single thing, we have created pairs. And so the Mufassirun explained that this includes, for example, Iman and Kufar. That's a pair. Heaven and earth is a pair. Day and night is, is a pair. Right? So everything in creation, everything in creation is in pairs. And this can be conceptual, as a meaning, as a meaning. So it's not something physical. Conceptual, for example, iman and Kufr, right, they are meanings. Or it can be physical, like we've seen. You know, the, uh, it can be hot and cold. You know, it can be, uh, like we said, the the heaven and the earth, and the men and the jinn is another another pair. Right? So everything is created in terms of uh, pes so You have the halal and the haram, the prohibited, the obligated. So when you gain fiqh in the religion, when you gain understanding in the religion, you are able to make distinctions between all of these things. right? Between that which rectifies and that which corrupts. Between that which is beneficial, that which is harmful. So the religion, understanding of the religion, is something that allows you as a believer in everything to know uh, this is, you know, this is Tawheed, this is Shirk, or this is Mani this is Iman, or this statement is Kufr, or this Deed is Kufr, right? Uh, this is Halal, this is Haram, this is Tayyib, this is Khabith, uh, this is, this behavior is honorable, this behavior is dishonorable. Right? All of these things, the Deen and Fiqh in, in the Deen allows you to make all of these distinctions And as for the ignorant people As, as the shaykh says You know these, uh, as, as the shaykh says That these umur uh, which are mutanakida Which are opposing but contradictory affairs They are confusing upon the ignorant people Right? The ignorant people The ones who do not gain fiqh in the religion They are unable to make these distinctions So Uh the first party of the first group are the ones who are given basira by Allah. They gain comprehension in the religion and then they act upon the religion with sincerity, upon sincerity, ikhlas, and they make mutaba'ah, they follow the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Sulaim in their, in their acts of worship. The second um, party, the second group, is the opposite of what is stated in the hadith. The hadith states, textually, to whomever Allah intends goodness, he will give him understanding of the religion. But the opposite is something that is understood. The opposite meaning is understood, not stated. Right? And the opposite meaning is, to whomsoever Allah does not intend to show goodness. He will not give him understanding of uh, the religion. So, this is where we finished in the previous lesson. So, today we are going to uh, complete the rest of the commentary upon this hadith and so the second uh, issue that the shaykh discusses then is he asks okay we've spoken about fiqh in the religion but what are the abwar? what are the various topics or subject areas that pertain to the to the entire religion and so he says كُلُّ مُسْلِمٍ وَمُسْلِمَةٍ أَنَّ فِي الدِّينِ لَهُ ثَلَاثَةُ in وَإِنْ شِئْتِ فَقُلْ ثَلَاثَةُ طُرَقٍ Let every Muslim, male and female Muslim, know that fiqh, comprehension in religion has three subject areas. Or if you like, three paths or three routes, then he explains each of these three. So, the f- so in other words Everything that a person needs to gain Understanding of in his religion It will fall into one of three categories Everything Right? So the first one Al-awwal Fiqhul-i'tiqad Fiqhul-i'tiqad Which is gaining comprehension in the belief In the belief That we ought to hold As, as believers, as Muslims um, so, obviously, this covers many, many aspects of belief belief in Allah, belief in the angels, belief in His books, belief in the messengers, belief in Al Qadr, the good and the bad of it, and belief in the last day, and just in general, belief in the unseen, the affairs of the unseen, right? Like paradise, hellfire, the jinn. Um, you know signs of the hour and many things. Uh, barzakh. You know what? All of these things that we that we have believe in them, but we believe in them upon the right way. Uh, because as you know, there are many many groups and parties, many sects which appeared in the Muslim nation, and uh, they deviated in many many different aspects of creed. Uh, so, the first thing that we must establish as a foundation is comprehension of the sound creed. Sound creed. So the Sheikh says its essence, wa the essence of it, uh, the foundation of it is So the first thing is that he mentions obviously the foundation of tawheed. And so he says that a man, a man, the belief of a man that Allah is one. Allah is one. He has no partner in his rububiyya, rububiyya, in his lordship. That means that he alone is the creator and the owner and the regulator. He doesn't have anyone to share with him or to assist him or to aid him in any way, that he alone is in complete uh, control, dominion, ownership, regulation of everything which happens in his creation, right? The angels don't help him, but the angels execute and do what they are commanded to do by Allah's command, right? They are not helping Allah to run his creation, right? So, so, no one is an aider or a supporter for Allah Zawjall. He alone has complete power and dominion over every single thing. Right? This is one aspect of Tawheed. The second aspect of Tawheed is that there is none which is a partner to him in his worship. So, we single out Allah in worship, right? To have knowledge of that. And to have knowledge of the evidences for that, right? As, as what is found in the Quran, right? Evidences for Allah's rububiyyah, evidences for, for Allah being worthy of worship alone, what are the evidences? And this is what the Quran outlines and explains to us when it gives evidences and parables and refutes the mushrikeen, refutes the idol worshippers, right? So by reflecting upon all of that, we, we gain comprehension in, in this matter. And similarly, the He is one, not having any partners in his names and his attributes. Uh, so he is unique in, in, in his names and his attributes. Uh, the meanings are the most perfect of meanings, they are the most beautiful of names and the most perfect of attributes. There's no deficiency uh, in his attributes or in his or the meanings. So all of this is Tawheed, as the Shaykh says, but Tawheed who are rahsu din Islam. Tawheed is the the chief part of Islam, which, you know, no prophet was sent and no messenger except he came with this. He began with this, right? This is the Tawheed. So when we say La ilaha illallah, this is what is meant, what we've just explained. That he is the Lord and the creator without any helpers, without any aiders. The owner of everything, the regulator of everything. He controls life and death, benefit and harm and everything. So therefore, he alone is worthy of worship. It follows, very, very simple. And this is the meaning of the kalima, And so we have to understand this and know also at the same time all of the various other false meanings of the kalima, the the false interpretations of la ilaha illallah, which come from various people, misguided people, you know, so, the Shaykh mentions the verse وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ قَبْلِكَ مِنْ رَسُولِهِ إِلَّا نُوْحِي إِلَيْهِ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ أَنَا فاعمدون. We did not send before you any messenger except that we inspired to him to say that none has the right to be worshipped except I so worship me alone. Right? So the religion of Allah, the deen of Allah which the messengers came and the prophets came from Nuh Ali salam uh, to Muhammad Sallallahu Alayhi Wasallam who is the seal and the last of them, it is the Deen of Islam. The Deen of Islam. And then the Sheikh goes on to explain the falsehood or the futility of a particular statement. He says thalath وَهِيَ الْإِسْلَامِ وَالْيَهُوْدِيَ وَالْنَسْرَانِيَةِ دِيَانَاتِ السَّمَاوِيَةِ كَذِبٌ عَلَى اللَّهِ وَعَلَى رَسُولِهِ وَعَلَى أَئِمَّةِ الْإِلْمِ وَالدِّينِ وَالْإِمَانِ He says, from this we should know and understand that the statement that is made when people say for example the three divinely or the three heavenly religions the three heavenly religions Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Right? That they are heavenly religions. This statement is, is, is a lie upon Allah, it is a lie upon the Messenger, and it is a lie upon the, the, the scholars or the people of knowledge and religion and Iman. Now, the Shaykh is how he has explained this you know, in more detail in another one of his uh, lectures on writings. But what the Shaykh is explaining here. Is that uh, we can expand upon this by, by explaining that when we look at the meaning of different words, right? So in Arabic, we have the word ad we have the word al and we have the word al-nihla. If we understand the meaning of these three words, the issue will become clear to us. So the word ad when you go and look linguistically what is the meaning of ad-deen in the various uh, Arabic dictionaries, you find that it means ad-ta'a, obedience, in qiyad, right? Compliance, obedience, this is the meaning of deen. So upon this really there is only one deen. That deen is compliance and obedience meaning upon Islam. Right? And that is why when, when we use the word ad-deen, absolutely, there is only one Deen. There is no two Deens or three Deens or four Deens. There is only one Deen of truth. And its meaning is very clear and apparent. It Al-Ta'a intiyad, Obedience and compliance. That can only be for Allah And this is the essence. This is the essence of the Deen of Islam. Inna Deen, inda Allah al-Islam. Very the religion with Allah is Islam so this is the word the meaning of the word ad-deen al-milla al-milla has the meaning of at-tariqa which is you know a a way or a path or a, a sunnah like like a way or a path that is followed and in the Quran, when you read the various verses of the Quran, you will see that the word millah is ascribed, "milla" to Ibrahim, the millah of Ibrahim, "milla" to Abikum, the Milla of your father. And it's also ascribed to the people of disbelief as well. Right? To the people of disbelief as well. Right? So here, this is basically uh, anything which, which is like taken as, as a tariqah, a sunnah, a way, a path. Uh, like a sharia, like a way or a path, uh, what has been legislated, what has been uh, devised. And this can be uh, a millah of truth, in which case it is the, or it can be a millah which which is, you know, from, from the people themselves. And so this leads us to the third word, which is an nihla. An nihla means. That which has no basis in revelation. It is from the fabrications, inventions of mankind. This is all of the the false religions, like folk religions and inventions and false uh, beliefs, false ideas. Right? And uh, everything invented by man. So So we refer to that as a Nihla. Now obviously in English we only have one word. We have religion. So we say the religion of Islam the religion of Hinduism, the religion of Christianity, but really, uh, in the Arabic language, there is only one deen. In the Qur'an, there is only one deen, and it is Islam. And all of these other, you know, things that we find, they are basically Milal and they are nihal And some of the scholars of the past, they wrote books with this title, Al-Milal Wa-Nihal, right? Al-Fasl, uh, and some of the scholars of the past, they wrote books in which they brought together all the various like religions and sects and denominations and you know described them. But deen, there is only the deen of Islam. And um, what is besides it is, is is a Millah. If it is false, a millah if it is true, then it is synonymous with Deen, right? So Deen and Millah can be one and the same. If it's the true Millah. Which is the millah of Ibrahim and whoever followed him And other than that, it is either a millah Which is from the devised by men Or it is a nihla you know, From the fabrications And false religions And false ideas So, once this is clear This is the first area In which you have to gain fiqh Right? About the correct and the sound Belief The second area of religion in which a person must have uh, fiqh and basira insight is fiqhul ibadat al fiqh fiqhul ibadat al amaliyya which is understanding of the practical affairs of worship, practical affairs of worship, such as min salatin wa siyamin wa zakatin wa hajin wa ghair ذلك uh, so the sheikh basically says the fiqh comprehension of the practical aspects of worship such as those things which are obligations upon everybody uh, prayer Fasting, zakat, hajj, and other such things which, you know, by which Allah is worshipped. And, you know, in these at at worship, a person must have the uh, ikhlas, the sincerity to Allah, and also follow the sunnah, or the guidance, imitate the Prophet ﷺ in all of that. And this can only be through knowledge. This requires uh, knowledge. So these things now are obviously the individual obligations, right? So there are some things which uh, everybody needs to have that knowledge. So for example, the rules of at purification, right? Purification of the body, purification of the, of the clothes, purification as a condition for worship, um, you know, when are you pure, when are you impure. Um, likewise for women, specifically for men, women related to to-menses and Likewise, the issue of wusul and things like that, right? Because the, the purification is is a key to other obligations to to the prayer, and likewise the prayer itself, all of the the to do with the prayer, and likewise the obligations of fasting. These are things which apply to to everybody who has reached uh, bulugh. So you cannot be excused for ignorance in in these affairs. The Sheikh goes on to say that these acts of worship al <laughs> So these practical acts of worship, they must be based upon knowledge. They have to be based upon knowledge. And we are not like like we said before, religion of Islam is one of knowledge and action. Right? It is not like we are, we don't follow the traits of the Yahud, which is knowledge without action, and nor the traits of the Christians, of the Nasara, which is action without knowledge. Right? And so it must be founded upon ilm, and knowledge is taken from its people. And so each man has to learn what is obligatory upon him. How does he worship his Lord? And so this obviously is in itself a big topic in itself. And um, so this is the second uh, category. This means everyone who reach, reaches, like we said, the, the, the age of bulugh, uh, we ought to teach our children the things which are obligatory upon them, uh, such as purification and prayer, and get them accustomed to these things so that they, that they have comprehension from an, from an early age. The third area in which you must acquire understanding is the Fiqhul Mu'amalat Al Jariya al Nas. This now is understanding the various dealings and interactions that take place between the people. So he says Fal Mu'amalat min Wa Ijaratin Al fiha al so these are, these are things like, you know, um, uh, buying and selling and renting, and everything which is like a worldly uh, transaction, leasing, renting, you know, employing someone, uh, all things which involve like contracts, loans, uh, repayments of loans, uh, issues to do with land and, and leasing land and produce and everything now, which is an interaction where you interact with other people Uh, for the purposes of of benefit, mutual benefit and things like that, then a person must have comprehension in these affairs. Now obviously these affairs are on a need-to-know basis. Not everybody is obligated to have this particular knowledge. right? It only becomes obligatory if you enter into such affairs. So if you enter into a business or trade or whatever it might be, Obviously, you, you, you must have knowledge of, of what you are doing Islamically speaking right? Is this halal, is it haram Is this contract valid, is this contract void right? So all of your Interactions and dealings with other people Are based upon uh, The truth and are beneficial And not harmful and unlawful And wholesome and uh, Contain blessing right? So this knowledge now it's, it's like I said The second type of ilm, the first and second type Of uh, fiqh is obligatory, fiqh ibadat right? And this type of knowledge here, not everybody has to know it, uh, but the scholars, the people of knowledge, they learn this ill because it is a al kifaya, it is like a, a collective obligation. Some from the Muslim nation must always have this knowledge and convey this knowledge and, and transmit this knowledge, but it's not an obligation upon every single individual right so this is why alhamdulillah it is easy uh, for the people of islam and for the average common muslim when he needs to know something he goes and asks an alim right he asks a trustworthy alim and he asks him for guidance in these affairs that i plan to get married what is upon me i plan to rent the land what to, you know what what, uh, what what is upon me i plan to do this what is upon me so he goes and he acquires ill, and he proceeds upon that So he gains understanding of the affairs that he is going to enter into. It's not a condition now that he has to carry this knowledge with him all the time and be a scholar and be an alim and you know in all of, no, because not everybody has that uh, capability. So the principle then is that in the worldly affairs, in all worldly affairs, the general principle is that you know, everything is permissible based upon certain verses of the Quran that the shaykh mentions here. From them, (laughs) He is the one who created for you what is on the earth, all of it. Right? And likewise, He is the one who made for you the earth, you know, he, he laid down and subjected the earth for you. So traverse upon the various regions of the earth, and eat from its provision, and to him shall be the the resurrection. So, uh, here the Sheikh mentions a principle, which is that, the halal is what Allah has made halal, and what His Messenger made halal, and the haram is what Allah made haram, and His Messenger made haram. Right, these it is only for Allah and His Messenger to explain what is halal and haram. And as for the actual dealings, our dealings amongst people, the worldly dealings, then as the Shaykh says, Al Asal Mu'amalat al Ibaha The basic principle in the dealings is that everything is permissible. Everything is permissible. And then the Sheikh mentions a principle hmm. وَلِهَذَا قَالَ عُلُّمَاؤُنَا Our scholars have said فِي الْعِبَادَاتِ الحضر, يعني الْمَنَعِ إِلَّا فِي الْمُعَامَلَاتِ الْإِبَاحَةِ إلا So the Sheikh explains a principle which is well known and established and the scholars speak with which is that when it comes to acts of worship when it comes to acts of worship you want to worship Allah with, with, with a deed, with a statement, right? Everything is prohibited, right? So the basis, the origin that, that we start off from is that everything's prohibited except, except what Allah has revealed and legislated, right? So you don't start with the assumption that I can worship Allah how I want, I can worship with whatever I please and I can, you know, do, you know, uh, do the acts of worship in whichever way form I want? No, you don't start like that. You start by assuming that every act of worship is 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 uh, prohibited uh, or is not permissible until it is specifically legislated, right? Then you then you find out what is specifically legislated, right? We we're not like uh, the Christians or the people who basically worship Allah however they want in whatever way they want, right? So, so this is as it relates to worshipping Allah, because Allah created us to worship Him, then He sent books and He sent messengers to give us instruction therein. We can't arrive at that knowledge with the reason, with the reason, with the aqbal. nor can we arrive at that knowledge with just emotion and feeling, right? You know, in my heart there is love, tremendous love for, for God and for whatever... And then you decide that you're going to now, you know, sing a ballad or bring out your tambourine or do something and sing, you know, and think this is worship of Allah. You can't do that, right? Or sit in circles and, and you know, uh, switch off the light and do breathing. And, and, You can't do that. You worship Allah the way that he legislated through his messenger. So the, so the basic principle in worship is that you assume everything is prohibited and not allowed. Up until there is a text, there's a specific text that describes that act of worship and you know, gives the details. However, with mu'amalat, which are the worldly dealings between the people, you assume that everything is permissible. So this includes like food and drink and clothing and various ty- types of trade, you know, trading. And uh, renting, leasing, marriage, inheritance, and all, all the rest of it, like obviously these dealings are, 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 are permissible, you assume them to be uh, permitted unless there is a text that specifically makes them unlawful or makes them prohibited. Uh no, no. So after mentioning this uh, principle, this is basically the end of the commentary of the sheikh. Uh, the sheikh finishes by saying, "Bilal, ito with Allah, Allah's success or, sallallahu ala Muhammad wa ala ali wasahib So he concludes his uh, brief commentary upon the hadith there. So we'll conclude the rest of this lesson by bringing some other, uh, you know, uh, points because the hadith continues. Uh, the full hadith, as you as we mentioned uh, in the previous lesson. This is the first part, the common, commonly known part. To whomsoever Allah intends your goodness, he gives him understanding of the religion. And then he continues, Indeed, I am the one who distributes, and Allah is the one who gives. Ala Allah, la man hatta this nation, this ummah will never cease to be established upon uh, the affair of Allah, the command of Allah Those who oppose them will not harm them until the affair of Allah arrives So on the whole hadith there are some other points that can be mentioned um, First of all a statement from Muhammad bin Qab al-Quradhi, uh, which is kind of related to this hadith. I'll mention the narration here. And so he says, as is mentioned by uh, uh, Ibn al-Mubarak, rahimahullah, in the book, al-Zubhud, Kitab al-Zubhud. So Muhammad bin Qab he said, إِذَا Allah اللَّهُ بِعَبْدٍ جَعَلَ فِيهِ ثَلَافٍ When Allah intends... To show goodness To a servant He puts three qualities in him There are three traits He places in him Fiqhan Fiqhan The first one Is comprehension in the religion Comprehension in the religion And obviously this is based upon the hadith The hadith of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam then he said "Wasahadatan dunya, Which is that he only takes from the world what he needs. To only take from the world what you need. Right? This is the correct meaning of Zuhud. Zuhud. Zuhud is not Zuhud does not mean to abandon the world like basically as is claimed by some of the you know, people who are people of Tasawwuf, Or people like that That you just totally abandon the world You have nothing to do with it You abandon everything No Zuhud in its proper meaning Is that you take from the world That which is sufficient for you It doesn't mean completely abandon the world now Now live in poverty And live in, you know they, It means take from it what you need And then devote yourself to religion To ibadah To worship To istighfar, right? Take from the world what you need so, so the second trait is wa zahradatan fi dunya the third one wa to have insight into his own flaws and his own mistakes like his flaws in his in his character his being which he can attend to right so if you have three if you have these three traits or these three qualities this is a sign that Allah is intending goodness for you, right? You have comprehension in the religion. You you only take from the world what you need from it, right? You're not engrossed and preoccupied in the world, chasing riches, chasing this, chasing that. But you take from it what is sufficient for you and your family, right? And so, you know, and, and then you attend, you know, you you spend your time wisely thereafter in worship. And thirdly having knowledge of your own flaws and mistakes. So this is similar you know, to the hadith of uh, Mu'awiyah from one of the you know, imams of the Salaf Muhammad bin Kaab al Qurali. And in general, we can just finish by making six or seven points about the hadith in general, including the second half of the hadith. So the first point, obviously, that we've already discussed from Sheikh Ubaid, is that This hadith contains the excellence of fiqh in religion, the virtue and the excellence of fiqh, uh, you know, the fadl, the excellence of comprehension in religion. It is clearly a sign that Allah intends goodness to uh, to you, and it's it's the purpose for which we have been created. Right? I did not create jinn and men except that they may worship me. And we've also been commanded with ibadah. Ya rabbakum O mankind, worship your Lord. This cannot be achieved. We cannot actualize this, nor can we follow the commands and keep the prohibitions, except with fiqh in the religion. Right? So this includes obviously the affairs that were mentioned by Sheikh Ubaid: the three adwar, belief, worship, and dealings belief, worship and dealings that comprises all of the religion second point is the foundation of this as we've already seen is Tawheed it has to be based upon Tawheed it has to emanate upon Tawheed If if you do not build your religion upon sound creed and sound knowledge this will also affect the other areas whether you like it or not Right? At some point in the future, it will affect the other areas. And just to give you, like, more of an extreme example, this is like an extreme example. There were some people who claimed that the meaning of La ilaha illallah means that there is no existence except that of Allah, which means nothing exists except Allah Himself. Right? So there is no creator and there is no created. There is only Allah. Allah is everything. And the only thing which exists is Allah. Right. So this is now is, is, a, is a heretical creed. It is disbelief. Right? But there are people who actually believe this is the meaning of the ilaha illallah. Now, upon this, if we can't tell the difference between the creator and the created, and everything in you know everything that exists is basically allah then how do we distinguish between what is tayyib and khabith like pure and wholesome and like how do we distinguish and where does the notion of the halal and haram come from and so when you worship who are you worshiping like who is the worshipper and who is the worshiped all of these disappear all of these go right and so therefore now there is there is no sharia there's no halal there is no haram right you can therefore marry someone who is a mahram and you know so so everything basically goes and disappears there's there's, there's no worship there's no ibadah there's no muamalat there's no fiqh of, of the ahkam it's all gone so this is obviously i'm giving like a very extreme example of how a mistaken belief, in this case a very extreme uh, you know, uh, mistake, can, can lead to the abolition of religion. But it, it can also apply in other ways as well. Uh, for example, uh, Greek, logic, Greek logic was entered into uh, you know, fiqh, jurisprudence. And this corrupted many many elements of, of jurisprudence. You know, Through the use of logic you know, because, because some of the people of Kalam Ahlul Kalam Like Al-Ghazali and people like that they, they, they spoke of the necessity of knowing you know, uh, Logic and, and philosophy or whatever To use it as a tool in Fiqh And they made mistakes in this And it led to you know, mistake So the point being That Tawheed that as the foundation The sound creed The sound belief Is very very important Because it affects everything else and that's the foundation of fiqh in uh, the religion. Also, a person must obviously be free of shirk, because you know shirk is something that nullifies the deeds. Uh, as the messenger of Allah, as as, um, as Allah Zawajal mentioned in the Quran, uh, addressing the messengers himself, That we have. Uh, it, it has been inspired to you and to those who came before you that if you commit shirk, then your deeds will be vain and you will be from the losers. Right? So, obviously, this is very, very important that Tawheed must be the foundation. Of other issues like fiqh, uh, of, of, of the ahkam and the ibadat, the mu'amalat, they can also be affected if the underlying you know, belief is, is not sound. The third think that this hadith contains obviously this hadith is an encouragement, it is targhib it is enticement and encouragement for us to strive and make efforts in acquiring knowledge of the Sharia, knowledge of the religion, and uh, you know this is something that you know you, you are not born with knowledge you don't you don 't come out of your mother 's womb as a scholar, uh, nobody does. And for that reason, knowledge is acquired by, uh, as the Messenger said, al-'ilmu And he also said, إِنَّمَا Which means through actual practice, through actual exertion, right? So for example, if you are not someone who is patient and forbearing, how do you acquire it? إنما الحلم, إنما الحلم right you become gentle and forbearing and patient how how by exercising it by implementing it right by by uh, adopting and manifesting this quality And over time it then becomes part and parcel of you so in the same way إِنَّمَا ilmu bital verily knowledge is by by learning right by spending time by dedication by by taking all the roots and means it just just just, just come to you like what is claimed by some of the people that You know there's kashf You know sudden enlightenment You sat there and then, you know maybe sat in a dark room or something And you're doing dhikr thousands and thousands of times And all of a sudden You know like a lightning strike A sudden illumination kashf. There's no such thing in Islam This is from the innovation and misguidance Of, of, of the people of misguidance Right <laughs> Knowledge is by, is by learning and by dedication and taking it from its roots it comes with striving with effort like with memorization and fiqh right memorization and fiqh and and you know this is how it is so basically it means that this hadith is an encouragement to for us to expend the effort and from the effort is traveling you know, traveling for the sake of knowledge as the great scholars used to do in the early times of islam riding on the donkeys walking on the feet Coming thousands and thousands of miles, you know, all across the Muslim world, just to acquire one hadith, or you know, to sit with one scholar to make a verification. This, this is how they used to do. For us, it's very, very easy. We have the internet, we have phones. How can you be excused for being ignorant in the 20th and 21st century? You can't. You can't be excused for being ignorant because knowledge is literally in your, you know, in your palm, so to speak. Right. So that means Allah has made it easy for us, it's a mercy from Allah, we don't have to travel you know, with, with on bare feet or with you know, uh, sandals, with the straps broken, broken on uh, scorching hot rocks, you know, with maybe just uh, some water and that's it. We don't, we don't have to, Allah has given us tremendous uh, blessings. So really, a person cannot really be excused for being ignorant uh, of his uh, religion. The fourth thing that we take from this is uh, this knowledge and this fiqh is not really of benefit to you uh, unless it's acted upon. So really the meaning of the hadith isn't, isn't to whomsoever Allah intends goodness He allows him to memorize the Qur'an or Bukhari or Muslim and you know, know all the And know it's, it's not about knowledge, it's about action. Right? Comprehension, when you comprehend, action is part and parcel of that. That's to whom Allah intends to show goodness. Goodness is in the amal, in the not, not, not the ilm. And so, unless, obviously, you act upon that, uh, if, if you belittle the affairs and you enter into unlawful things, and, but in this case, the fiqh that you've gained really is, is a proof against you. It's not good for you, it's actually evil upon you. Right? And so, as the Prophet said, he said, Well, Quran, the Quran is either a proof in your favor or it is against you, as is related by Imam Muslim. The point number five is that this hadith um, mentions that the Messenger of Allah is the distribu- distributor and Allah is the giver. This establishes The true relationship of the messengers The messengers are conveyors They are intermediaries But they are intermediaries of conveyance of revelation They convey revelation, right? They are not intermediaries whom we worship Allah through No This is like the way of the Christians And other nations Right? And and likewise the misguided Sufis who believe That the saints and the messengers we, we, We have to be subservient to them and ask from them, and, and you know, uh, give them devotion, and through them our needs are then raised to Allah, this type of inter- intermediation, right? All of this is false, this is not from the religion of Islam, right? It clashes with Tawheed. The messengers are distributors of the revelation that Allah revealed to them, right? They are men, righteous men, truthful men, they convey revelation, they are infallible, they do not make mistakes. In conveying the revelation. Right? And so they are intermediaries of information and knowledge of revelation. So, I am the distributor and Allah is the giver. Allah is the one who gives. Right? So Allah reveals His knowledge, uh, the Qur'an, His, His speech, and uh, you know all of the the understanding of the religion, the rules, the, and so on and so forth. And then also point number six is that uh, we see that in this hadith, towards the end of the hadith, is glad tidings that there will always be a party or a group that holds fast to the Qur'an and to the sunnah, which is devoid of deviation and misguidance and innovations and newly invented affairs. And you know... Despite the fact that there will be many, many groups and parties and sects present, there will always be people who will be upon the truth. Sometimes those people might be together in a certain location. Other times they might be separated in different locations, right? It doesn't mean that they have to all be in one place or one location. This varies. This can vary. Uh, The situation can, can vary from time to time, place to place. But there will always be people upon the truth who are holding fast. To the deen of Allah And uh, We know that this will always remain We also know in another hadith similar, With a similar wording There will never cease to be A party or a group from my nation Manifestly upon the truth They will not be harmed by those who Oppose them and those who uh, abandon them who desert them up- until the affair of Allah arrives. And so this here is you know the aided group and there are other hadiths which are also mentioned, you know, the, the saved group and Ahl Sunati Wal Jama'ah uh, and you know different different names, they are all synonymous, they carry the same meaning. That there will always be people upon the truth, upon the religion, as the Messenger of Allah as he brought it and they will not be harmed by those who oppose them or desert them you know, in the presence of great deviation, misguidance, splitting, separation many sects, many parties, many groups all you know, saying what they are saying it will always be the truth, it will always be uh, available this is unlike the religion of the Yahud and the Nasara because they, they, don't, they, don't, they don't have the means anymore to go back to find out what was the authentic religion of Musa a. What was the authentic religion of Islam? They don't have that anymore because that's that's corrupted. But with Islam, there is the Qur'an, and there is the Sunnah, and there is the way and the understanding of the righteous uh, Salaf. Right? And that, that is the criterion. Also, from the points uh, from this hadith is that upon a student of knowledge, obviously... This, this last part of the Hadith indicates to us that we have to be careful and to be aware of the various groups and sects uh, which oppose the Sunnah, whether in the past, right, like the Khawarij, and the Mojia and the qadariyah and the Rafida and Jahmiyyah, you and know, many, many other groups and sects, or whether they are contemporary in the present time. right? And all the groups in the present time are simply offshoots of, of the early groups. Right? Whether it's the, the Khwarij like ISIS Al Qaeda, whether it's the, the rationalists and the modernists, right, the Akhlaqaniyun, they are simply offshoots of the Mu'tazila, right, or whether you have the various extreme groups of the of the, 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 the Sufiya, right, they have in, they, they've inherited from those people who came before them. So we have to be careful uh, of them, and you um, ensure that um, we we teach the people uh, the right guidance. And to protect those people from the from the from the misconceptions and the doubts of, of these people, because they they, as, as we find in the hadith of Hudayfa, du'atu, ala Right? They are like callers stood at the gates of hellfire. Ajabahu Whoever responds to them, they will throw him therein into the hellfire. So this hadith also indicates that meaning. Uh, that we have to take uh, caution and and be careful of the various paths and avenues of uh, misguidance. So this brings us to an end of our discussion of this uh, hadith, uh, this tremendous and mighty hadith. Uh, This hadith contains uh, the virtue and the excellence of knowledge and also sticking to correct guidance. The first part mentions... Allah intends goodness to a servant. If he intends goodness, he will give him fiqh of the religion. The second part of the hadith, the last part, is speaking about remaining steadfast right, upon the truth, having istiqamah. Right? So it's a tremendous and uh, mighty hadith, and so inshallah we'll conclude uh, our lesson there today. So this is the end of the first uh, topic. The next topic we'll discuss inshallah ta'ala, the next time we have a lesson, uh, will be on the statement of Allah عز Amanu الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَلَمْ يَلْبِسُوا إِيمَانَهُمْ بظلم. This is an ayah in uh, Surah Al-An'am And um, those who believe and do not confuse or mix their belief with oppression uh, So this ayah inshallah we'll discuss in the next lesson From the commentary from the speech of uh, Shaykh Ubaid so today we'll end our lesson at this point.